Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now, this week saw United beat Liverpool three oh. two in the FA Cup. It saw Thomas Soychek get two goals, and Alex missed out on eleven fantasy points, I believe, probably more. Frank Lampard got sacked. Thomas two calls in, and we're going to talk about a ton of other stuff, including Zlatan versus Romelu Lukaku. Could we see a boxing match? But first, as we always do, how are you guys? Starting off with Joe with his thumbs up as the Spotify viewers can't see at the moment. Um, very good, very good. Um, yeah. 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 What about Alex? Fun, Alex. How are you? How are you? I'm, I'm rather good, yeah. Um, How are we? Been pretty busy. Been a lot of streams and stuff, a lot of work, so been pretty good. Pretty good week. Getting the grind on. Getting the grind on the YouTube. Um, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, oh, I did. How are you, Dan? <laughs> oh, um, how are you, Dan? Are oh, you? I'm good, thank you. I've been asked to wear the Alteringham shirt that I got for Christmas uh, to on this podcast, so I will wear it. Um, but first, as we do normally after we've had your guys' weekly thoughts that take about 10 seconds, we'll go on to the footballing news as always. So... Starting off with the FA Cup ties that took place at the weekend. Uh, Southampton won 1-0, shockingly, against Arsenal. But Joe, like we know with Arsenal at the moment, they're always a bit up and down, aren't they? They're all over the place. They need to get more consistent. They should be winning these games. Yeah. Um, They'll go go on from this game and probably beat Tottenham or something. It's just Arsenal. That's what they do. They had a return fixture against... Uh, Southampton it was and they won 3-1 which we will come on to a bit later on but it's just the up and down as Alex isn't it they need a bit of stability yeah I mean I, I watched them uh, play in this game and they were unlucky to uh, to concede but like they they didn't have enough chances like I think um, Nketiah was the only one who had a, a quite a good chance for Arsenal but he, he didn't put it away and ultimately they lost Lost because of their attacking threats for how bad Arsenal were. So, yeah, it's a, a very good result for Southampton, but obviously they they got the the result uh, yeah. the next time round. So, yeah. Um, now going on to the next FA Cup game, and it took place on Sunday this one, and it was Manchester United versus Liverpool. You two did a live stream. I came on at halftime, full time. Um, I, I would say a dom, not really a dominant performance. It was a very open match, put it that way. Uh, and Bruno's uh, free kick, which was brilliantly struck, went into the bottom right and United went on to the fifth round to play West Ham on the February the 9th. Um, what did you think of that game? Because we've not seen this, we've not seen a bad Liverpool side in a while, uh, and especially against United in this big fixture. What did we think of it? Do you think United deserved the win in the end? Yes, I think you played a lot better than them. You put in a lot more work and... Um... You were the better team. Their goals were well-deserved, but they were against the flow of the game. Um, they were just good teamwork goals. And they were the only really flashes of the former Liverpool. They had about five or ten minutes each time they had a goal where they switched on and they went, yeah, we're going to win this game. And then they switched off completely and it screwed them over. Yeah. Um, Alex, do you think? Well, we'll come on to the Liverpool games in a bit. It was, um, yeah, yeah. Go on, sir. Sorry. Go. Uh, I was just <laughs> going to say, like, it was a much less reserved performance from um, 
from Man United. Like when they were playing them in the league, they were like, "Oh, we'll just take a draw. Maybe that'll help towards um, our place in the in the league." But um, you actually attacked Liverpool this time, definitely much more than you did in the league, um, because you seemed like you had like little to lose. Because if you lost, you're out of the FA Cup. It's not the end of the world, but. Like um, Liverpool weren't expecting you to come at them as much as you did, and ultimately it it worked out for you. So yeah, um, I think they had Liverpool did have a bit of a dominant spell. I think it was the fifteen minute to twenty five minute mark, and that's when they got the goal. But apart from that, like you yeah. said, Joe, nothing really special from them. Um, going on to the next game, Crystal Palace two, West Ham three. Alex, you missed out on a couple of fancy points there, didn't you? Do you want me to play the um, clip? I got... you... I think I'll play the clip, you know. Go on, go on. What did you think of the game? What do you think what of the clip? game? Nothing, no clip. What do you think of the game, Alex? What was the clip? I want to know the clip was. Go on, no, just, just, just I'll, I'll get it up while you're talking. What did you think of the game? I'll get it up. I thought um, it was, obviously West Ham went behind uh, quite quickly. Um, I think, who, who scored for them? Was it Zaha? Uh, yeah, I think he scored one. Sojak got two, and that's why he benched him. Right, we'll get it out of the way because I'm about to laugh my head off. So this is what Alex had to say in our group chat. Um, it got has got strong language, so we're sorry if it was oh, offended. I know. You. I know. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Right. Okay. So we'll put it on now. Um, this is Alex uh, losing points with Sojak on Tuesday night. I think. <sighs> I fucking benched. I forgot how I did. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> Alex, man. Um, sorry for that strong language. Alex is very embarrassed at himself on the Zoom call at the moment. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, West Ham uh, move up into fourth after that game. Um, we're going to the next game now and Manchester City battered West Brom 5-0 with uh, Gundogan getting the first goal, uh, Mares getting a goal, Cancheo getting a ball, which we will come on to in a minute. Let's talk about it now, actually. I don't know if anybody saw this, um, but Cancelo's goal, it was... Yeah. If I'm wrong, Alex, just tell me, right? So Cancelo, so the ball got played. Somebody was offside, I think, and then the ball still got played, but... The refs are not allowed to put the flag up anymore until the whole play is finished. And she thought the whole play had finished, but then City carry on. Uh, uh, 15 seconds, I, I think 10 seconds. Cancelo gets the ball. All the West Brom defenders, like you said, Alex, yesterday on the live stream, just stood still and were like, all right, it's not going to get given anyway. Cancelo blasts it in the top right and it gets given a goal in the end after a couple of VAR checks. Should, I, don't, I don't know what to say yeah. I don't think it should have been uh, disallowed. I'm pretty sure they, they started. You go first, yeah. Alex. They, I think, yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm pretty sure they started to tell um, the linesmen just, like, not to put their flag up until uh, that sort of um, incidence of players stopped. And I think reasons like this is, is why it's happened, uh, because he wasn't offside, and it's right, it should have been a goal. But if the lineswoman or man, I think it was a woman. Yeah, if she didn't put her flag up and then um, Cancheo put it in the top bins, that'd be, um, like, it, it would just be a goal. And um, the fact that she did put it up, like, you expect the play then to be stopped by by the referee and just to, to play from the offside. And it was definitely the wrong decision from the linesman. 
Um, and I can't really argue with it being given, but the fact that the la- like the linesman did put the flag up and then everyone kind of stopped in, like except Canche who just put it in the top bins. Yeah, and the goal was given. It doesn't seem very correct, but it's a, it's all up to VAR ultimately. So it's not fair that they got the goal really because the defense had stopped. If I was the ref, I'd have probably rewound the clock to when it happened. To when the line, when the flag first went up, and do a drop ball in that place, like where it's where play was stopped, because yeah, that's just the fairest thing that could happen. Because you can't expect the defenders to carry on playing after the linesman's already put the flag up. And yes, City were in the right, but it's really the linesman's fault. And if it hit the referee, you'd do a drop ball or you'd throw it back to the attacking side, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think... It probably wouldn't have changed the scoreline. City probably would have still came out and won 5-0. Yeah, or 4-0 in the end. But I still think that it was just... It just felt like too much time had gone by for that goal to count. Like, I was watching the game and I was like, that is too long. That How is that going to get given as a goal? I mean, the, the lineswoman firstly needs to... I don't know. Nobody's really listened to her and they've just carried on playing, which they're supposed to do, but she should have put it up, a flag up after the play happened rather than midway through. And it wasn't so. even offside anyways. So. Well, what, I think, wasn't it uh, the build-up play? I think it was Gabriel Jesus might have been offside. Um, oh, no, he wasn't offside oh, in the oh, end yet, but that's what, that's what they thought. Yeah, that's what they thought. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, we did see an incident uh, like this in the Villa game, of course, with City, Joe. Uh, and the refs have uh, made it so they're altering uh, the offside decision after the controversy that happened the other week. Um, I think it's basically just the whole law and rule thing. I think it's just making them into one. I think that's that's the summary that it looks like. It's definitely for the right purpose, isn't it, Joe? This is happening. Yeah, there was change from that. A stupid decision, really, but uh, it's definitely the right one because the rule was complete bollocks. I'm sorry, it was. Yeah, you can't. You shouldn't be able to affect play once coming back from an offside offside position. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, now we did speak about Southampton and Arsenal before, and it was the same fixture. Southampton were at home again, and it ended up three-one to Arsenal in the end. Bukayo Saka being the main star in that game. Alex, what did we think of this game? Well, I thought, because um, Arsenal obviously started uh, some different attackers uh, in the... Ooh. Alex, we've lost connection with Alex. Ah. <laughs> um, man so, down, man down, mayday, man, mayday. Yeah, uh, well, we'll, we'll wait for Alex to oh. come back, but I'll just... Uh, oh, he's back, he's back. Right. Hello. You, you lagged out a bit I for think, us. I I can hear you, but I don't think you can hear me very well. If you just carry on no, your point from like 10 seconds ago. Why did I cut out? 10 Should seconds ago. Start from ago. the beginning then. Start from just the beginning. Start again. Go for it. Uh, so, yeah, Arsenal, obviously the first game they played, uh, Southampton, they dropped uh, Saka, Smith, Rowe, Lacazette, all their main attacking outlets. But this game, they got them back and they looked um, a completely different team attacking-wise. I think defensively, they struggled a bit the first half. Um, but they de- they definitely looked um, much better attacking wise, and Saka and Lacazette and Smith Rowe all linking up, and even Pepe looked much better than than in the first game. And ultimately, they got the three goals which they needed, and they 
taken a win. So I thought they were that was one of their best performances so far this season, other than the uh, the Chelsea game, obviously. Oops. Yeah, um, these are Bakayo Saka's stats. And I did get a message off uh, an Arsenal fan after the game saying he's as good as Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood, which I was a bit... I, I don't think he is, to be fair. <laughs> um, as, I know he is good, but I don't know. Here are his stats anyway. He's in a worse team, so he can stand out. Yeah, so um, he's played 18 matches, five goals, uh, big chances created three, final third entries is 47, two assists, take-ons completed 28 and crosses completed 19. Um, so they're all out of 18 matches played uh, this season, I think. Yeah, it is the season. So they're not bad stats, don't get me wrong, but Phil Phil Foden, I feel when he's on the pitch, he's got an aura about him and he changed the whole City team. He reminds me a bit of a David Silva. Not saying Bakayo Saka's not good, but I just feel like Phil Foden's a bit better than him. Alex, Foden's do you agree? Level. Yeah. Yeah. But he already feels like he's one of the best midfielders in the world. And what is he, like 18, 19? 19, yeah. Um, yeah, and the impact like, he has on the pitch is just incredible. Like, Saka's a, a brilliant player, don't get me wrong, but he feels like he can dribble, but not as good as um, not as good as good Foden. And he can shoot, but not just as good as um, as Greenwood. So he feels like a, a kind of a mix between them, but because he's in... A much worse team at the moment than Manchester United and Man City, and he's still getting through. It, um, it's quite good for him, but like Greenwood starting for Man United, who are better than Arsenal. Foden starting for City, who are ten times better than Arsenal at the moment. So I think they are on a, a different level. But um, Saka is still a, not, I wouldn't say world class yet, but he, he's a brilliant player. Yeah, of course, Greenwood had an outstanding season last season. Um, yeah, last season. I mean, we read some stats off last night. I think it was. Oh, I can't remember the exact goal tally. Was it about 11 and 31 matches, Joe, or something like that for Greenwood? I've got a sheet 11, somewhere. 11 um, goals and 31 matches. It was something like that. Um, whilst Joe's 10 fa- goals in 31 matches. Yeah, 10 goals in 31 matches. Um, but this season, Alex, I know Greenwood's not played a great deal, um, but would you say Saka's better than him this season so far? In in terms of stats, yes, but like when Green was played, he, he's looked like um, a very good player. But ultimately, they don't play in the same position, sort of, and they don't play for the same team, so you can't really compare them. But in terms of like attacking outlets and just overall impact on the team, it, I think Saka's had a better season. But I think if Mason Greenwood was in that Arsenal team, he'd have more of an impact than um, Saka. So, yeah. Are you in agreement with Alex, Joe? Yeah, when we saw Greenwood play against Liverpool, he was very good. And um, I just don't think uh, Foden's on that level. Uh, Saka, do you mean? Saka's on that level, yeah. Yeah. Um, So the next game was United versus Sheffield United. So Manchester United being the first one. Uh, And it was the first time in 48 years since Sheffield United beat uh, Manchester United. And... I, correct me not, I think it's the first, first time in Premier League history that a Yorkshire side has beaten United. I'm pretty sure that is uh, a fact. I um, think it's the first time at home. At home, all right. Yeah, right. yeah that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Um, now, still uh, mad. Yeah, no. Uh, Kean Bryan scored the first goal for Sheffield United. Now, for me, Alex, that is a definite foul. And we'll come on to the Maguire uh, decision now. We'll talk about it now. And if you put them side by side, they're literally the same, aren't they? 
in a <laughs> Pretty way. Pretty much. I mean, um, I, uh, I, was, I saw, I didn't watch the game. I think uh, Everton were on the same time, but yeah, I watched yeah. the highlights. I remember Ole at, at full time saying there was two controversial VAR decisions and they both went against us. And I was watching them and they did. Like the first goal, I think he's just like elbowed him, the uh, hair in the head, which I think any I other think... day it's a foul on the goalkeeper. I don't see why that's not given as a foul. I don't know. Yeah, I think Billy Sharp might have. I don't know if he elbowed him or he just pushed the hair a bit. Uh, and that ended up the ball yeah. going over De Gea in the end, and Keane Bryan headed in it in, and I think came off the post. Uh, it's and a, it's a foul. Yeah, it's a foul. And then the one on Maguire, I felt that was really soft, considering what happened yeah. with Billy Sharp and De Gea. I mean, it, it happened as well, and uh, it wasn't the same situation. But when you played Burnley, like he was, he just outmuscled. I can't remember if it was Peters in the air. Yeah. And just because he's stronger and he can jump higher, that means it's a foul as well. So I'm not sure how they're making these decisions on, I don't know. Yeah. But for me, they were both the incorrect decisions and Man United probably should have won, but you never know what the score should be. So. Yeah, or a draw maybe. Um, credit to Sheffield United. They came in with a game plan. They executed it um, to yeah. the most that they could have. Um, Maguire got the goal and it was a bullet header it was a cracking header tell you what a ball that was uh, Maguire slotted it in bottom right and then Sheffield United's second goal was very unfortunate poor defending we mentioned yesterday didn't we um, Matic was too slow coming out to the man you might have seen it on the BT Sport analysis afterwards Matic was too slow coming out to I think it might have been Baldock the right wing back and then Oliver Burke uh, had a first shot I think it was blocked by I want to say Tellers or yeah. um, Maguire, maybe. Um, and then it came back to Burke, um, and then Tellers didn't come out to him quick enough. He strikes the shot. It comes off Twanzebe's thigh or knee, uh, and then goes in, goes onto the bar, and then went goes in. Um, so that's really the inside of the bar. Goal. Yeah, it was a really unlucky goal. Um, but I just want to mention quickly about Phil what. Elka. Yeah, Phil Jackie Elka was class, and he got man of the match at the age of 37. Credit to yeah. him. Uh, I just want to mention quickly, and I know we spoke about it yesterday, um, about the Martial and Twanzebe racially abused. And I know that um, Sawyers from West Brom also got some after the Man City game. What uh, We spoke about it, Joe, and we said we should try, maybe Instagram, Twitter, all of them should try and do no comments on things. But is that the way to go? Will that still prevent? Because Alex said they could still make accounts if the comments were open. I don't think hiding it is the way to go because it's always it's just going to happen somewhere else. But it's almost better in a way if it's on. So um, I'm not sure which account it was. I think it was it was Rising Stars or something. Rising Ballers, yeah. Rising Ballers. They put it on their Instagram and they'd got everyone's accounts in the screenshot. Oh, yeah. Bye bye. Alex is back. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably the best thing that they could have done. And if possible, the clubs should intervene and um, punish the like. They should be reprimanded for what they've been saying on the internet, because it wouldn't. I don't. I doubt they'd have said it in person. Yeah, definitely. Well, I made the point, didn't I, saying. Oh. People would have been praising Twanzebe September October time when he pocketed um, 
Mbappe and virtually Neymar uh, in that back three. And I can guarantee you, and I said this yesterday, I can guarantee you the people who are slating him now and calling him nasty names were praising him back then and saying, oh, he's the best centre-back in the world. You can't win, can you? You cannot win whatsoever. I think it's just people are being idiots. And I doubt anyone who's actually put the stuff that was said up I thought they actually believe that. They've just said that because they're angry at football and they think they're being funny. Yeah, but it's not funny and it's not right. No. Alex, what did you think of the whole situation? Well, I mean, it's completely wrong, but like, if it's on social media, there's not much you can do about it. Like, you can like reprimand. Um, like fans from from the stadium ban them for for a lifetime, never come in again. But I mean, you can never stop them voicing their opinion on on social media. Like you can report their account, get them banned, but then they just make a new one over and over again. So I, I don't know how. No, I think we've unfortunately lost Alex again. Um, Joe, we'll come back to Alex and his views on that in a minute. But going on to the Burnley-Aston Villa game, where it was a five-goal thriller, um, what what did we think of that? Was it a good... I mean, I, I thought it was an, I thought it was an all right performance by you, but Burnley, as we know, are very good at holding a solid 4-4-2 formation. Yeah, so... People have praised our back line this season and this is one of the games where I don't see why, really. Yeah. Um, I, I We were just... We made too many mistakes. Oh, well, let's put them in the chat. Yeah, he's there now. <laughs> um, yeah. They made too many mistakes and we had about four chances that we didn't convert and we should have converted it. Watkins, I think, missed two. Mm. And yes, Watkins is brilliant, but he does waste a lot of chances. And I'd like to see that changed. He is young, but he's in the Premier League now. We can't keep excusing it. Yeah, We we need to be getting these results, especially being so behind on games. We need to be pushing ourselves back up the table. Yeah, I think what's, Watkins managed to score on the night, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. He, scored, he scored one, I think. Yeah. He scored one, but he had about four chances that he missed. Yeah, because he was injured for a bit, wasn't he? And now he's sort of come back um, yeah. and got a goal, which should help him going forwards. And like you said, those chances, hopefully you can bury them um, in the near future. Alex, It's not just him. He's just It's just an example. But yeah. We, yeah. we do miss way too many chances and we make too many mistakes. Yeah. Alex, would you like to go to what you were saying before? Um, or can you not remember where you were up to? Uh... Oh, I think I was just up to a bit where I was going like, yeah, there's there's not much you can do on like with fans on social media. Like, I I was saying like it's their point of view, but it's probably not their point of view, and it probably changes if it is dramatically. Like you were saying, one month they, he could have been saying like, oh, he's a world class defender, and then the next you're just saying all this stuff about him, which isn't right. But there's yeah, there's there's not much you can do, but for them to just like point it out as much as possible is probably the best thing to do in this situation. So, Yeah, I think it will get prevented in the near future because, as we know, social media is getting bigger every single year and week and day virtually. 
Um, so it will get prevented. It's just when. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, going on to the Spurs-Liverpool match now that we did live stream yesterday. And it ended up being 3-1 to Liverpool away. Uh, Joe, what did we think of the game? Because we, Liverpool have been on a rocky road, shall we say. And now they're on that nice, slim path. Um, Spurs dropped off massively from the, well, probably about a quarter into the game. They did really well in the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, then dropped off completely. They weren't holding their formation and Liverpool exploited that. And fair play to Liverpool, they did play very well. Yeah. Um, Um, They definitely did deserve the win. Yeah, uh, I think as when you were talking about uh, exploiting, I think Spurs did that as well, but they didn't take the chances. And when they did no. do that, sometimes or the majority of times, they were offside, weren't they, Alex? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first half, I thought, like, although Liverpool had um, quite a few more chances, I thought Spurs played very well. And they could have really done with going in half time, like uh, at 0 0 instead of 1 0 to Liverpool, that would have really helped and then obviously they had to sub off um, Harry Kane which again didn't help them put on Eric Lamella who's not the same player as Kane and it ruined their, their whole like the dimension of their play and ultimately Liverpool just um, kept creating chances and scored the goal the goal sorry um, Hoybier did get one back I thought that was a very very good strike from him but ultimately they didn't um, defend on point and their attacking could have been a bit more clinical. Um, they did score inside three minutes, though, but it was given offside very narrowly. So, yeah, a bit unlucky. But again, the defending didn't really warrant um, a win anyway. So, yeah. Um, going on to the big news that was this week, uh, and it was a second for a manager, and it was Frank Lampard. Um, he was at the club for 18 months. He had played or managed even 57 games. He's won 28 of them, 11 draws and 18 losses. Uh, and we'll come on to Thomas Tuchel in a second. But did he? is it too early for him to be sacked? We keep going on about giving managers time. And Frank Lampard's had about six months to just make a formation and tactics out of this incredible team, 200 million. Why do you think it's not worked for him? And why do you think he's not had enough time? So, one argument is, at this point in time, uh, no, sorry, this this time last season, Oli had won one less game and he was behind on one point of what Lampard has got now. And look at you now. Yeah. But the amount that um, Lampard has spent kind of offsets that because he should have that team and he should be getting better results than he is. And part of that is due to the uh, due to the players because Werner and Kepper really aren't doing very well for the amount of money that they've spent on them. Um, Havertz isn't amazing for what was spent on him. He spent so much money and just got nothing to show for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think that argument's right about Oli because he hadn't spent that much money on him on United. And yeah, Alex, what do you think? Because I think when Frank Lampard left, of course, they, they drew yesterday or the other day to Wolves. Uh, they were ninth, and we've not seen Chelsea that low since Mourinho's last season. I think, um, I think they were a bit lower than that. But was it too early to sack him? 
Um, I agree that it, I think he would have been successful if if he'd have stayed on like six one uh, six months one year longer, and he probably would have got the squad he wanted, got them playing how he wanted them to play, and then he probably would have qualified the Champions League a few more times. Um, but if you're looking at uh, from Abramovich's point of view, like he's he's given him one and a half years. Um, the first transfer window, he couldn't sign anyone because he had a ban. And then the next one, he spent like 200 million on players that quite easily could be winning um, so many leagues. And the fact that he's ninth at the halfway point just won't have been like Abramovich would have seen like lots of other managers winning stuff and think maybe I could bring in one of the managers that, that have won stuff with this team and they'll probably win so. Um, I can see his, his understanding of it, but ultimately you have to give managers longer than a year and a half to get their squad going and, and ultimately have their squad playing in the Premier League instead of just players that are already at the club. So, yeah, I agree that it was probably the wrong decision. But at this point, they'll just want to be focusing on qualifying for Europe and Frank Lampard, I don't think he would have got there this season. So My, arg- yeah. my argument would be, look at... Dean, we'll take Villa, Joe. We'll take Villa. And I know that they're not as well, they, historically, they are as big as Chelsea, but in the current time, they aren't at the moment. But looking at Dean Smith, last year he spent, what was it, 115 million, something like that, on your squad. It was around that. Yeah, something like that. He had a he had a terrible first season, let's put it that way, in the first in the Premier League. You just managed to stay up via relegation. He's managed to sort his tactics and his formation and get some more experienced and better players and that know the Premier League like Ross Barkley. And look where you are now. See, the problem I have with that is I think our chairman could see the potential our team had if we'd stayed up. So um we didn't have a we didn't have a striker, but apart from that, our team was pretty much set. We've brought we've brought in Barkley and Watkins, and that's really the only major changes to our team. Um, and it's just improved us dramatically because we didn't have that striker. We didn't have anyone who could finish it. And the moment we've got a striker, we've come on so much. So I think the potential was there, and I think our chairman could see it. Um, and I, I was saying in February, if he doesn't bring in a striker. Then I, I could be I could see him getting sacked, but there was the potential there, and the chairman must the chairman must have saw it and just crossed his fingers and said, if we stay up, we stay up; if we go down, we go down. Yeah, because we did have a, a squad that could perform very well if we had a proper striker. Yeah, Alex, would you say it's the wrong recruitment? Because we were all saying, I, th- I think we all agreed on this, that they needed defenders. They didn't need attackers. So we, when Werner and Havertz got signed, we were a bit saying, why, why have they signed them? We were a bit troubled about it because Mason Mount was performing excellently and so was Tammy Abraham, arguably the two best players of last season. And if you look at them and look at them now, they're not even getting onto the team sheet. That was with Frank anyway. Um, so is it down to bad recruitment? I think so, yeah. Um, that's that's pretty much what like what it is. Um, Abramovich will have, will have probably said like here's two hundred million pounds, spend it how you want, and then he they Frank Lampard just would have went, oh, I want better attackers because I think the defense is all right, and and ultimately it's shown this season like 
I think they started off pretty well in defence. They brought um, Kurt Zuma just to play with maybe Christensen or Thiago Silva, who they signed on a free. Um, and ultimately, like just before the end of the transfer window, they realised our, our defence is, is not up to scratch and they brought in Mendy and um, that ultimately improved it. Um, he's going, I don't know if he's going worse now. He's probably not. He's just um, not on the same level as he was when he first signed. But yeah, it, yeah it, it's... I'm not sure how to put it. It's it's not very good that they had to wait until I'd actually played games to realise what the actual weaknesses in the squad were. So it's probably definitely up to recruitment. Um, but you could also blame that on Frank Lampard because it's his squad at the end of the day. You should know what the weak points are. So Yeah. I think what he did was he saw some of the most hyped players out there and he'd seen their talent in another league. And he's just gonna sign them because they looked good. The Premier League is a different league, though, and it will take them time to adapt to that. Because don't get me wrong, Werden is a great player, and I think he could. He he has the potential to be very good in the Premier League. It's just not showing. That could be him not settled in right. It could be something wrong with Lampard. But he should have looked at that team and gone. We're not lacking offensively. We need to sort out our back line and our CDMs and that. Yeah. And credit to him, he brought Ben Chilwell in and an experienced Thiago Silva. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think, I just think Lampard, I think he, he deserved more time. And I think if he did get that time, we could see a different Chelsea side. But I went back to this a couple of weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, a week ago. And I said to you, He's brought in the marquee signings. If you've looked at all of the great teams over the past couple of years, including City and Liverpool, look at their teams. They've got no really, like you've got your Agueros and stuff like that, but you've got no like Ronaldo in there that's like best, better than everyone else. With Liverpool, you've got a level playing field. Everybody believes they're as good as each other and nobody thinks they're better than each other. If you've got Havertz, Werner, they're going to think, oh, we're better than Mount, we're better than Abraham. Uh, and to the extent they are, but in the Premier League, they won't be because they've not had that experience, like we said before. So I think he needed to build a team, an actual team, not a team of individuals. And I think that's where he's fallen. I think I think that's why he was so successful in his first season. Like He just brought a few young players and then a few first-team players into the squad and, and ultimately he succeeded with them. Um, but then when he brought um, the... Uh, signings and they didn't really fit in I think um, ZX will be very good for them I'm not sure about the others though so just have yeah. to wait and see right so with Frank Lampard out the door at Chelsea in comes Thomas Tuchel and he has managed Augsburg Mainz who were arguably a couple of seasons ago 20 a couple of seasons ago yeah were arguably the best team outside of Borussia Dortmund Bayern Munich and Schalke uh, at that certain time, just the way they played. Um, of course, then he went on to manage Borussia Dortmund and he did well there. And that got him the job at PSG, where he, of course, reached the Champions League final with PSG. Uh, and then he also got replaced by Pochettino, Pochettino a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he's won a fair few titles in his and cups in his time, Alex. Um, is he the right man to bring in at Chelsea? Um. I think I think they um, they definitely could have gone for I wouldn't say more experience, but I think managers that um, 
could have been a bit better, but ultimately under the circumstances, there's not many managers out of a job at, like currently. And I don't think there would have been many managers uh, who wanted to leave their jobs currently and go to Chelsea. So uh, under the circumstances, I think is um, uh, a very good appointment from them. And he is a, uh, I wouldn't say world-class manager, but he pretty much has won a trophy everywhere he's been. So he must be doing somewhere right. Yeah. Um, he's an upcoming manager, Joe. Um, of course, he's been at a number of clubs. Uh, but for a manager, he is still fairly young. Um, well, not really. He's 47, let's be honest. That's not young. But um, he it's has young won for a, a manager. You don't get many managers, uh, what, 10 years for, away from Under 10 years after playing age. It, it, you won't have even retired at that point from a normal job. And most managers are at least retiring age. I mean, yeah. you do get young ones, but yeah. he is quite young for a manager. Um, yeah. uh, so he's had experience in the Bundesliga and the uh, Liga and in the French League, but we all know that that's not the same as the Premier League. So do you reckon he will succeed in the Premier League? It's going to be hard for him. He's going to have to manage a team that are playing, well, twice a week, most weeks. And... Uh, we're on catch-up mode right now because a lot of teams haven't played all the games that they could have. Yeah. So he's going to find it tough, but if he can get it right, he's in with a job that could get him a Champions League spot with the team yeah. that he's got as well. Yeah. Um, Alex, I don't know about you, but I'm not too sure the way he plays. Now, I have seen him lined up in a 4-3-3 with PSG. I can't remember yeah. his Mainz or anything like that, but he is a very pressing manager, like press team manager like Liverpool and City so do you reckon we could see another aspect of uh, those two sides in his formation and team uh, yeah definitely um, I mean they have the um, they definitely have the the squad that he's used to he's definitely got world class players to work with um, but I reckon it will take him about one or two months to like really perfect his tactics and and get them how he wants them to play but after he does that I think he'll He'll succeed, um, but ultimately he's playing much harder opponents week in week out than he would have been playing for Dortmund uh, and for of a test for him. But like, we we've seen a lot of managers are gone again. No, you know you're still there. Just we can just hear you. You, you cut out oh, in the yeah. middle and you you sort of stuttered and froze. Uh, I think oh, well. I think you finished finished your point though. Um, we'll come on to a next big thing, and this was announced today actually, uh, just before we came on to record. Uh, and it is the Premier League uh, have considered or are doing even um, concussion substitutes uh, for the trial to start on February the sixth. Now, Joe, we were talking about this, and you said they must have been listening in our podcast. They must uh, have. This is the... this is like literally the same thing we recommended. Someone yeah. has to have been watching us. Um, so yeah, they have um, brought this in. Uh, that'll take place, as I said, Saturday the sixth of February. It's definitely the right decision, Joe, isn't it? Yeah, it's just common sense for safety. If someone's concussed or potentially concussed, they need to be checked out. But if yeah. there's nothing wrong with them, they should be allowed back on the pitch. Yeah, um, Alex, do you think um, managers will use it as more of a tactical way? Some of them because we have seen it in the past uh, with some other sports. Definitely some of them will. Um, but whether they'll then add in like um, this thing where it has to be like 
a severe one, whether you um, sub them off or not, or whether they just like fake it sometimes just to get another substitution. There's all, there's going to be all of that, but ultimately it's oh uh, exists for a while. All right, yeah, we just got the last end of you there. Um, but Joe, do you think it could work like it has done in other sports with rugby? And it's we've seen it do very well in uh, rugby, of course. Yeah, I think it. I think it could. Um, I do see Mourinho in particular using it as more of a tactical substitution, yeah. but I'm sure it, something will be changed pretty quickly to allow them to, um, oh, to stop them from doing that. Yeah, because we've seen it at any cost with managers. When we had those water breaks um, to the back end of last season, we saw uh, Brentford's manager, Thomas Frank, get his board out and saying about which tactics for about five minutes. Um, and it's those little things that change the game a bit, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Um, but going on to, uh, we were speaking about Mourinho before, and going on to one of his players now, and Harry Kane is out for a couple of weeks. We're not too sure yet, uh, but it's after his both of his ankles. Um, uh, I think both of our ankles just went down, basically. They just, they just weren't working, basically, against Liverpool. Um, and yeah, he had to get subbed off. Is this a big blow, Alex? Because we've seen the Kane and Son duo work for a long time and they've done very well. Could this be the end of it? Well, I mean, it's their main route of goals and any time that he's not in, in that situation, it's going to be hard for them. But they've definitely got the squad depth. They've got Vinicius on the bench who can easily come in and do a job. So I don't think they'll be that worried, but they're, they're definitely going to um, like have reduced scoring for definitely a couple of weeks. Yeah. Joe, we were talking about um, Gareth Bale and say yesterday on the stream, and we were talking about him. And we were saying he has been injured a couple of times this season. But for me, if he wants to make his mark on Spurs, now's the time to do so, surely. Yeah, this is his opportunity, really. With Kane out, this is his time to shine. If he gets played, if he gets match time, um, for a player at his point in their career, what they want to be doing now is showing their value and hyping themselves up to potentially go into a, a US league. Because I think we did talk about him going to um, play with David Beckham in that, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I think, Bale, as you said, Bale's time's to shine now. And surely he has to work hard in every single training session. Because you know what will happen. Vinicius will take over and Lucas Moura will take over. Uh, and Bale knows that. And we, mo all of us know really that Bale's better than them too. So he just has yeah. to prove that to Mourinho and then he'll be, the, be in the team. I think he will work for it. He is a hard worker and he's very fast. And if he can show that and show his talent, he's in for a, a good run of games. Yep. Um, now going on to their rivals, Arsenal now, and they were well. They are playing Benfica in the Europa League in a couple of weeks, and uh, the tie is in talks at the moment to be held at a neutral venue because of uh, the coronavirus restri restrictions uh, in both countries. Um, where do you think they would do it? Because of course, nobody's really—I uh, believe in England—nobody's meant to be travelling in. But I'm not too sure about travelling out because I have seen some celebrities in Dubai, so I'm not too sure. Where do you reckon it would go? Dubai, Belgium. maybe? Belgium. I mean, it would make sense yeah, if it was Dubai, wouldn't it? Place. Because zero cases and they're letting people into the country. But it's would very they need hot to there. do it in Europe, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. 
we'll, we'll, we'll see what the uh, saying come that, out the Europa with. League final was in like I don't know where it was was it Hungary or something like, something that. like that yeah they do it somewhere with you'd think they'd do it somewhere with low cases that's reasonably like even good for football as well yeah like you put it in like I don't know Saudi Arabia or Iraq or something would you no um now, going to Mesut Ozil, and he has completed his move this week and he has been unveiled this week, I believe, as a Fenerbahce player. Um, we all saw this coming. Right move for him, would we say? He's going to wear the number 67 shirt as well. Right right decision? Yeah. yeah. He's a good player, um, and I believe he could still play for Arsenal, but ultimately Arteta doesn't want him, and he's not probably not going to see uh, succeed anymore at Arsenal, so move away is probably good for him. I don't think it was the right move. I think he could have definitely gone to somewhere maybe in the top six leagues, top five leagues, um, yeah. and he would have succeeded a bit more. But he, he's got his move away, and I think he's going to do really well. So, Yeah, um, when he was leaving Arsenal, he had this to say just to summarise his quote up. He said, the Arsenal fans will forever remain in my heart. So that's something for you Arsenal oh. fans. <laughs> uh, now going on to some transfer news and starting off with your club, Joe, uh, and Morgan Sanson, who I believe, Alex, used to play for Newcastle. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Yeah, he used to play for Newcastle. Um, has signed an initial £14 million, contract, uh, £14 million contract from Marseille. Joe, what will he bring to your team that you've been missing, do you reckon? Depth. I'm not sh- probably depth to be honest. I'm not sure where he fits in really to our starting lineup because I don't think we have any weak points really. Um, but yeah, I think depth is depth is a big issue because if we lose anyone, we're pretty much down uh, a yeah. man because we don't really have anyone to replace anybody in our team. Yeah. So yeah. I think it is a, a depth signing. What I remember of him, Alex, was he a centre mid or a CDM? Or did he play on the yeah, fullback? I think I think he was very versatile as well. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we're, so, yeah. we're not really missing anything in the midfield. Hmm. So it is purely for depth, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, it's good depth. You've got Premier League experience, of but course. It, I think it, it does show a, a, statement of, a statement of intent for Villa as well. Like, I think he was playing in the Champions League one or two seasons ago and now he's come to, to maybe sit on the bench for Villa. So, I mean, that's a, a very good statement for, for Aston Villa as a club. Yeah, Well, we just definitely. So amazing. You just haven't seen our true potential yet. Yeah. Um, now, going on to another Claret and Blue club, uh, of course, we're going to go on to West Ham now. And Saeed Benrahma has signed an official contract with West Ham uh, and... Alex, do you know how much it was for from Brentford? I think it was somewhere like 20. 19, 20 million. Yeah, something around there. Um, of course, if nobody knows, uh, Jesse Lingard has also gone to West Ham on loan. And before we get on to that, um, for this deal to work, basically, they had Ben Rama and oh, who else did they have on loan? They have they had somebody else on loan that I, I can't remember of West Ham at the moment. But for this deal with Jesse Lingard to work, they had to make one of them permanent. Um, and Ben Rama was made permanent in the end, and that's a class signing in itself. Considering what he did for Brentford last season, I think the players they're pulling in at the moment could massively boost their squad this season. 
Yeah, and look at them now. What fourth? They're still yeah, sick, they're still doing really good. Yeah, considering um, they've not even Lingard's not even played yet. But Alex, staying with Lingard, and do you think he is the man? Well, not the man to change, but the man that can reinvent his career at West Ham. Of course, he is twenty eight now, twenty seven. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think for West Ham, their attacking midfield roles like the one that I think they were missing the most. They've been playing um, four nals there. I think they had Lanzini there for a bit, but ultimately, like they're not. Um, the same calibre as Lingard is uh, and I know West Ham fans will be like oh if he's not starting for Man United how can he start for us but people are forgetting like he was uh, he was a very good player like three or four years ago when he was at the World Cup he was um, a very good player for Man United two or three seasons ago and I think he could bring that back at West Ham and if he does he could reignite his career and maybe get a move away or maybe even stay at United so it's a, a very good move for both parties because they get a very good midfielder out of it as well. Wasn't it? Gonna say something, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Um, didn't he f- drop off a bit because of family issues, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, personal wow. issues. Uh, and I know, well, it's, if his form was dipping a bit as well, as we know, because of his family issues. Um, but I, I think that's pretty much over now, though, so he could come good again. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, people have been saying, though, that this is really good for Lingard because if he does get in that West Ham squad, he can show Southgate that he is still a good player and he could possibly even get into that starting eleven um, for the Euros team, Alex. I mean, possibly. Um, I would argue that there's definitely better players in his position at the moment. But yeah. if he does show it for West Ham, like Declan, Ray- Declan Rice is... Um, got into the starting lineup, so I don't think um, there's any reason why I can't get back in. Not ultimately when he was and he was a, a very good player, so. Yeah. Um, Joe, we'll go on to uh, Eric, uh, yeah, Haaland now, um, and he's of course at British Dortmund at the moment, and Chelsea are interested in signing him, and we were talking about marquee signings, but this is just another 80 mil, 90 mil, 100 mil down the drain, surely. It's just Where's he going to fit in? Germany. It's all they're doing. Yeah, um, this it, it, I don't know. This how can this work? You've already got Werner a class striker in. Why do you need another in just because he's not scoring them and he might do in a couple of weeks? Just bring in Haaland. That's the thing with Chelsea at the moment. They want everything instantly and they can't get it. You start don't even play with two anyway. Wouldn't you put Abraham on? Leave uh, Werner on the bench. Show him that he has to work harder. And um, because someone else will start ahead of him, yeah. uh, mess around with your defense a bit because that's not working. You wouldn't just pull in someone else who he's coming from another league that probably won't perform as well as Abraham would anyway. Yeah, because I know uh, Haaland's think... a very good player, but Abraham's used to the league, and Werner's not. And if you show Werner, they have to work, and they show him the the speed of the game they could have a very good striker on their hands already yeah definitely Alex you were going to say something about um, where would he fit in yeah I mean um, they didn't play with two strikers last season um, when he was at PSG I don't think the manager played with two strikers either um, he started Keane and obviously he started um, Mbappe and Neymar on the wing um, but I don't think Werner's definitely not suited to the wing we've um, seen a lot of Chelsea fans get annoyed when he does start on the wing so 
if then Erling Haaland starts at striker, then where's Werner going to fit in? And I know yeah. Haaland's a, a great player and everything, but he's only showed it in the Bundesliga and the Austrian league. Like the, there's no like proven goal scoring prowess from him except in the in the Champions League. So it is a very big risk, and he he just wouldn't fit in either. So I can't see the point in this. Yeah. Um, now we'll go on to uh, what happened in the Milan derby. Of course, AC Milan and Inter Milan. And I don't know. Uh, don't know if anybody saw this. It was over a ton of memes about Ibrahimovic and Lukaku. And I, when I first saw this, I was really shocked because they were former teammates at um, United, of course. Um, and I was really shocked to see this. Alex, were you? I I thought they were good friends. Um, obviously, they played together in United, and I just assumed that they they'd just be getting along quite well together i was yeah yeah a bit i think shocked when I, I saw these sorts of scenes we all know ibra's like very confident he'll he'll say what he want but lukaku's i think's the opposite to that he doesn't seem as vocal as ibrahimovic um he's more of a man that's just a bit more quiet and will get the job done for you um but yeah i, I was really shocked at this considering pogba was friends with both of them and i think he made them friends as well um but on the night, it didn't did end up. I believe was it two one to Inter Milan in the end. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think Ibra said something about Romelu Lukaku's mum or something. Jeez. It was something. It was on something like that. There's no, there's no place for something like that on a football pitch. I know, and I think I don't. I think Lukaku responded with something as well. I can't quite remember. But yeah, that's what happened in the Milan derby. Of course, that's quite. It, it wasn't never a big derby. Don't get me wrong, but. It started to light a bit of a fire, especially this as well. The fans will love this um, to say that there is that still heated rivalry, Alex. Yeah, I mean, you never really associate the. Obviously, it's a big derby, but you never really associate it with like violence and stuff and fights breaking out in the middle of the game like this. Um, but it, I don't know whether it'll, it'll help it or not. I think it will, uh, and I think like when the fans come back, they'll feel a bit more like antagonized to to start something in these types of matches yeah i think it will become a lot better as well yeah i think it will become become a lot better as well considering where both teams are on the table i think ac is still top so that just adds more fire more fuel to the fire so yeah we'll just have to wait and see what happens there um martin odegaard will wear the number 11 shirt of course that used to be mesut ozil's at arsenal um his loan is until the end of the season. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has donated 250,000 to poverty, uh, to a poverty charity. And he was basically saying, I'm just giving back to the community. So well done to Nuno there. Um, and then Stuart McLaren has been appointed as a Scotland woman intern manager or coach. Um, and yeah, we'll go on some score predictions now. Starting off with... West Ham versus Liverpool, Sunday, the 31st of January, this weekend. Half four, what are our thoughts? Uh, I'm going to go one all because uh, I think Moyes will probably have West Ham very compact and I think it will be hard for Liverpool to break down. And, yeah, I think it'll be one all. Where are you going, Joe? West Ham are very good at the moment. I think they could win, seeing as Liverpool are so on and off. I think they could be well within their rights to secure a one or two nil win. 
Um, of course, well, I'll give my prediction. Um, so West Ham, of course, like we've said, doing very well at the moment. Liverpool doing very well at the moment. But I think Liverpool will just edge it with that bit more of class in the end. And I think it'll be a good game. But Liverpool, like you said, I think Joe will win it 2-1 in the end. Um, now, the game, the day before that, so tomorrow. Um, I said Saturday, West Ham will edge it. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Um, I Yes, but I think Liverpool will edge it because I think the momentum will take them forwards. Um on Saturday, half five, Manchester United versus Arsenal. United are away. Um, a big old rivalry in the past. Alex, what's your score prediction? Uh, I'm going to go 1 0 to Manchester United. I think um, you're definitely better away from home. You've seen it this season, you showed it last season. And although Arsenal have brought in Martin Odegaard, I think he'll help very much. I don't think um, there'll be a. Uh, yeah, I don't think there'll be a match for, for Man United away from home at the moment. Although they are getting better, I don't think they'll be able to cope uh, defensively, definitely. Joe? Um, I'm seeing a United win, 1-0. Same as Alex. Um, I think it will be a tough game, don't get me wrong. Uh, of course, Odegaard will bring a lot of experience, even though he is quite young, uh, into the dressing room and a lot of class as well. So I it will be not. tough, but I think we'll be the better team on the day. I think we've got, over all of the pitch, we've got better positions and better plays in positions than Arsenal do. Um, but I still think Arsenal will put up a fight, so I'm going to go 3-1 United. I think we'll blow them out of the park a bit, but we'll see. Um, going on to the next game, Wolves versus Arsenal taking place in the Black Country. Joe, what's our score prediction for this one? I think Arsenal could win this. Uh, I think Arsenal will win 1-0. Yeah. It'll be a tough I game mean, for both teams, but I think Arsenal will win. Yeah. Alex, what's your score prediction? Because it'll be tough for Arsenal to break down that solid Wolves back five. Um, I think it, it will be hard for them, but um, I think Wolves definitely haven't been uh, on form lately. And I think um, as much as... Arsenal will find it hard to attack Liverpool, uh, Wolves. Sorry, will find it hard to defend. So, um, I think I think I'll go with a, a one-all. Uh, I think it's going to be two-all. I think Wolves will put up a fight against the Gunners, um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that result. And the last game, Tottenham versus Chelsea, big London derby. Of course, Battle of the Bridge a couple of years ago, but it is at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What's your score prediction, Joe? I think Tottenham will win. I think Chelsea will put up a bit of a fight, but they're going to be let down by their um, strikers and let down by the defence. Alex? So I think Tottenham oh, sorry, will yeah, win 2-0. Yeah. Uh, Alex? Uh, I think I'm going to go for a, a Chelsea 3-0 um, win. Ooh. I think um, Thomas Tuchel will have um, sort of found out like how his players play and everything. And I think they'll they'll surprise Spurs on the day and um, put a few past them. So You think Kepa will keep a, a clean a, sheet? A Chelsea win. I think Mendy will be starting, won't he? Uh, yeah, I think true. he's the big number one now. Um, I think... I think uh, they'll, he's gonna they'll be... snap Kane inside five minutes. Even though he's injured at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but well, if you remove he'll, his he'll come back in a wheelchair and they'll just break it. <laughs> they'll right, break okay. the wheelchair. 
Um, I think it'll be a tough game for both sides. Chelsea will struggle breaking them down, definitely, uh, considering how good Spurs have been defensively this season. And then Spurs will try to counter-attack. But I think Spurs, I think Chelsea will be intelligent enough to keep uh, maybe like a Rudiger, Kurt Zuma or Chilwell on the, on the halfway line just to watch that counter-attack. But yeah, I think it'll be an interesting match. And I'm going to go for a tasty one here. I'm going to go for 3-2 Chelsea. Um, but yeah. Uh... We'll, we'll have to see about that one. But yeah, that's a wrap from me. If you would like to check out um, us on a radio station, Radio Alti tomorrow, 12 till 1. It's my show. And we, all three of us, will be appearing on it um, because we have put a bit of a podcast highlight about the European Super League from last week's discussion. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it from me. I think we've got a podcast coming out on Tuesday, Wednesday um, with somebody from an, from the non-league side of things. Um, but yeah, that is a bye from me. Yeah. And me. And me. Thanks for listening. Bye.